Hello everybody, it's Into the Black Archive, back again for another week where we are meddling around in time with the last of the serials for our second season, would you believe? We've actually got this far. <laughs> uh, it's The Time Meddler. My name's James, and joining me again, as always, this week is Owen Cranston. Hello. Hello. You say it again as if you've had enough of me already. No, I haven't had enough of you. It's, you know, again <laughs> really reflects the fact that the, the lineup never changes. Yeah, it, it's the same over and over it's again. It's nice and consistent. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, what, what, what do we have in store um, for everybody this week? Um, so we're just going to be talking about um, the Time Meddler for final season, final episode, which which takes place in season two, really. There's not much else, really, unless you've got anything else Just, planned. <laughs> I don't have anything else planned. Uh, which, the good news is, though, there's a lot to unpack with this, so we're not going to be struggling yeah. for stuff to talk about. Anyway, how have we been over the last few days? Oh, it's been normal. Just working. Endlessly, yeah, and much sleeping. the same for me. We've been having we've been having a whole conversation about property of late. That's been it's been slightly fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> that makes us sound either a way older than we are, or b way richer than we are. <laughs> Full disclosure: we are we are British. We cannot buy houses. That's not something we do here. Uh-huh. Well, at least not in the south where we are. Yeah, definitely not in the south. Um, but let's not get into the whole mess of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, so over the week we've watched, um, this is the, I'm trying to think, this is the 14th serial we've done now, and I was just taking a look through BritBox, and there have been 39 separate episodes we've watched through for this series, which I reckon is quite an achievement for us. Yeah, I'm amazed, but we actually managed to keep on going, because we've been going since March, so we've been going for at least, we've been going for at least, publishing for at least three months, and doing stuff for at least four yeah at least four so yeah i'm honestly impressed with us uh and i'm definitely impressed that we've got here because time meddler i want to lead straight off with this is one of the most solid stories yet is it well that's why we're talking <laughs> yes <laughs> so so shall we go characters synopsis or synopsis, oh, and, characters? synopsis and characters you've got to tell them about the time meddler owen in as quick as you can with as much detail as you can I can never promise detail. Ah, go with broad strokes. <laughs> um, where did they land? <laughs> where it's in did Cornwall, they land? isn't it? No, it's in like Northumbria. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's the other coast. So, our three characters, because we've only got three now, mm. because we've left Ian and Barbara behind, we suddenly find Stephen just lying around in the TARDIS. He's never mentioned previously about how he ended up there. He just did, but we're moving on from there straight away. Um, he doesn't believe anything about TARDIS can t- time travel, but we are in Northumbria in the evil Vikings. They're potentially going to come take over. Um, but there's something not quite right with this area in Northumberland. There seem to be quite a lot of things, a lot more advanced than the um, 1066, which we're led to believe it is, such as uh, records, clocks, and t- not clocks, watches, and of such, such and such. So something's not quite right there. They eventually discover this monk. I said loads of monks in the monastery. No, just one monk. Um, but this monk and the doctor have sort of something similar. They both own a TARDIS, but the TARDIS console is slightly higher. It, it just is. Just move on. Um, and 
And that's essentially the story. Brilliant and coherent as always. So, yeah, the, the main thing with the Time Meddler is that this is like the first, because it's a historical story, uh, which is obviously like your bread and butter for who, if you think about it in a modern sense. But this is the... F- it's the first pseudoscience, pseudo-historical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's It's historical as a base, but then it just starts to twist around with it. And I think this is what gives it a quality that sets it apart from the rest because it goes in these really unique directions that only who can take it. And I think that's why I really enjoyed this. Okay. Out of interest, did you enjoy it more than you enjoy Dalek? Um, no, not more than Dalek. No. But it's definitely the, the, the second best in the series, and it's not even close. It's like a close second to Dalek. I have to ask you this, because I asked you this last time when we did the Space Museum, and it turned out a week later you completely forgotten what happened in that yeah <laughs> in that TV in that episode. Do you think it's because this season's not been very good? I maybe, but I think Space Museum was pretty good, and the chase wasn't terrible as such. It was just kind of a bit messy. I mean, a Dalek story is still kind of good no matter what you do with it. Mm. Uh, so I think the the two before have actually been all right, and then this is it. Really, is a good step. It's a very yeah. well written story. The way it's set up is great. The way it twists about is great. You you you're kept on the edge. They're doing interesting things with the setting. It, I can't really fault this too much. There are faults, obviously, but that's why we're here. Mm. <laughs> so, what do you think of it then? Because. Uh, on a general level, before we get into like the detail. On a general level. It's definitely one of the better ones of the season. Yeah. I'm not going... It's definitely for the better ones. However, it didn't stand out to me. Hmm. If, it ma- if that makes sense. Like, it's a good episode. And I'd more than be happy to rewatch it. But if I had a choice out of everything, I would, don't think I'd go back to this one. I like it's, it's just nothing stood out to me about it. Nothing stood out to you about this. I you see. I think for me, the opposite of that is almost true. I feel like there's so many aspects that are actually stand out. Mm. Like for example, there's another freaking time lord here now. That's the main thing that yeah. really spices it up. And not only that, the way that that new character, the monk, and yeah. William Hartnell interact has some of the best chemistry I've seen on Who. Like this, genu- genuinely, yeah. there's like a spark when you see them on screen. And they're kind of having this battle of wit. Um, yeah, all right. When Vicky and Stephen comes on screen, that the whole thing kind of lags a bit, and I kind of wish that it was just the Doctor on his own, kind of like those tenant specials would have been the perfect yeah. thing for this episode. But I think the whole thing lines well, and the setting is great. I do prefer it when um, who goes and does historical settings because there's like a good basis, and they really bring it to life even with the limited budget i I think it's because i think that that comes into two elements of that i think they've got some they know what they're planning for you know what a sort of medieval monastery looks like so they don't need to go and attempt to go futuristic which inevitably in the future looks terrible and ages terribly but also it with a historical you also don't need to make that many new costumes. You can just borrow it from other TV shows. Yeah. So they don't spend that much on, say, like costuming or props. Like you don't need to have a med go and make yourself a brand new pot because 
as a drama at some point in its, in the BBC's history, yeah. even at this early time in television, would have had one. Yeah, someone has been out making a 1066, because this is set in 1066. You know, someone would have been making stuff from that era because it's such a prominent date in British history and also in the annals of insurance company telephone lines. So, yes. Shall, shall we talk about characters then? Uh, yeah, let's go straight in with it. I'm starting off with the only one that's been here since the start, uh, which is yeah. which is the first Doctor. Um, and this is, even though he went on holiday for a quarter of this, one of the better episodes he's had for me because he gets to interplay with someone who's on his level. Yeah, he definitely... Now, which he doesn't, I don't mean this in a bad way to Ian and Barbara. Now he doesn't have Ian and Barbara kind of holding him back. He definitely has the ability to go out there and enjoy himself. Yeah. Explore the character a bit more. For example, you spend the majority of the first episode really just with him. And he's kind of figuring out where he is. And there's this really great scene which i don't think most people would pick up on but it's just it's just when he goes and visits the um the woman whose name of course is going to escape me uh you know the female villager isn't it edith yeah, Edith. that's exactly it edith um and visits this villager edith and Edith sort of puts him up in the garden brings him some mead and he's trying to piece together as subtly as he can where he is yeah. while being generally quite nice to this person so it's a quite nice scene. You can kind of see how he works, how he's got his motivation still, mm. but he's trying to be nice, trying to make sure he's not getting in the way of them. And it's also quite nice for him to do this exploring. So he's done this sort of stuff before, but normally with, say, Ian or Barbara, or even Vicky, Vicky and Susan, mm. going, oh, so what does this mean, Doctor? Yeah, and he has to explain everything, whereas in this one, you can just kind of, he knows, he can just go off and do it. It's much quicker. There's not... There's not much monologuing. It's it's very much sh- show don't tell because we're being shown all this stuff naturally as the Doctor is like, oh when did when did this happen? Oh around this time, rather than going, oh Doctor, so what happened on this date? <laughs> well then, my dear boy, this happened in the past five hundred years. Uh, yeah, it's much better, and this is more of a conversation about audience positioning. Yeah, uh, it's much better to be in a first person position for most stories where you're having everything you're learning along with the characters because you feel more in it yeah i also really like to have we get a little bit of weakness in the doctor's knowledge because especially in modern era we use the doctor knowing everything yeah he just knows but but in this one here i'm fairly sure it's him he straight up goes my memory of this era isn't that great Mm. which just Wrong word, because he's not human, but humanises him so much more than just him going, oh, yes, in this period, this, 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 yes, this. Yes, I remember this. this. It was wonderful. Yeah, you just... There's a lot of this is. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's great. It, it puts you on a level with him where he's just... It means that you can learn along with him. It's a nice way of being able to do an exposition scene because exposition scenes are really difficult to write. Because people naturally cotton on to what you're doing. Once you start just levelling the same information, yeah. they're like, oh, this is the dump scene. Give me two minutes and we'll actually have a story again. But this does the story and the exposition kind of at the same time. Which yeah. is how you should and do it. Smartly done. Yeah, it's it's, re- it's really well done. And it's also the first bit of real character growth we've had for in quite a while. We keep yeah. complaining, particularly in 
for Chase, Space Museum, uh, Web of Fear. We keep going back to the fact which everyone seems to have stagnated. But now which Ian and Barbara have gone, we're seeing for Doctor be able to grow to fill out the areas which Ian and Barbara have left behind slightly. Yes, and not only that, I actually think this episode gives... Mainly because obviously Stephen's a new character pretty much, so he's going to yeah. have to grow to get introduced. But also that get, that kind of lets the reins off of Rick, Vicky a bit. Yeah, she sort of takes... She massively went... Because as you said, Dev, Doctor gets separated off from them very quickly. Basically, within the first five minutes, they get separated. So Vicky is essentially the guide through this all, through, through this new adventuring world with Stephen going... Oh no, we did actually time travel and all that stuff. No, the doctor, doctor wouldn't do this. Maybe there's a door. It, you feel like she's actually thinking things through rather than just going along for the ride, yeah. which she has done a lot of other times. Vicky has to be active. I mean, the Space Museum kind of made her active for a bit and gave her something to do. But this is like the first episode where she's really had to take a lead the whole way, mainly because there's mm. no character... Who's have, who has more experience of the madness than she does. And she's got to um, take Stephen along. So speaking of, what do you think of Stephen's first proper TARDIS adventure? His introduction. I don't like how they introduce his character. What, just arrived in the TARDIS? That is a bit of a mess. <laughs> the last time we saw, see him, we, he essentially just faints in the middle of the chase fo- foresty wooded area. Mm. We don't see him going in for TARDIS. We don't see him doing anything like that. It's just purely just for for writers going, oh, we need to make sure Stephen comes back. Oh, let's just have him faint in for TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, it's it's clunky how they get him in. And I'm amazed that they didn't just do that at the end of the chase. Like, I know that they had to do goodbyes and everything like that. But to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, you could have done that at the same time, especially considering you devoted an episode to introducing the guy. But when he does arrive, this is probably the first time we've actually got someone just fully questioning it. And in this sense, that's quite fun. Yeah, well, actually, we did have Ian and Barbara question it quite heavily at the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. But obviously, when you get to the Stone Age and see all of that, it's kind of ruined quite quickly. Because they have to believe it eventually. Good good point. Whereas, Um, yeah, you carry on. I I just felt like it went on for a bit too long. I I think the reason I'm okay with that... And I wouldn't be otherwise, but the reason I am is because the story messes about with your head in the sense of putting modern stuff yeah, that in is, there. That is so true. So it does lean itself to that. And so it, it creates reasons for that to keep going. Because if you had been told that you've gone back in time and you see a watch that you could pick up down the street in London or whatever, you are naturally going to be pretty suspicious. Yeah. So it makes sense for that character. And the story leads into that debate. Obviously, he ends up realising that, well, it has to be. But, you know, they they at least have some fun with it. And it introduces Stephen as... I think it gives him flaws, which I don't think a lot of the characters have yeah. had yet. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like we're going to have to wait and see for him a bit more for me to feel settled with him. Oh, yeah. One episode isn't enough. I, I don't think it was amazing or anything. But it introduced a character who might have more potential than I thought. For for example, he's always he always seems very um he kind of rushes in without considering yeah. himself and, and that creates problems. Yeah. Not story wise. But sp- you carry on. <laughs> but speaking of the first proper episode we have someone in, 
this is also for the last time we're going to be seeing Vicky. Yes, because uh, as far as we can tell, all of the episodes that are with Vicky left uh, are all not present anymore. Yeah, they've all all either completely gone or partly gone, so we won't be covering them here. So sadly, this is for the last time we go and see Vicky. I did, that's two episodes in a row we've had to say goodbye to. We've basically said goodbye to a whole TARDIS crew in two weeks. Yeah. Um, so let's just do... It's, it's a bit different because we can't say about how she left, but we can talk about her impact on her character as a yeah, whole. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like she was a worthwhile addition to the TARDIS? At the start, no, but I think towards the end it kind of got better. Yeah, I I agree. It's a shame we don't have the next episodes of her because I feel like she could have actually become a really good character. Yeah, now that she was in the position where she was kind of leading it and having more of an active role, she came out like the Space Museum. She was kind of boisterous and fun. And once she had something to do and a real agenda, yeah. the character came out well. And I think that was to do with, with the high quality acting. I actually think the performance um, is really decent from Maureen O'Brien. Like, she's great. Can I put it to you slightly, though, which the writers of the last few episodes kind of screwed her character? Elaborate. Because I feel like, because you said there, which she seems to be boisterous, very strong-minded in what she does. Yeah, once she has to. But which, which, which we haven't really seen yet. But let's cast our mind back to when we first saw her in the rescue she did seem very strong she was there trying to battle against Carquillian she was having to look after someone who she thought was for dead her, her someone who a crewmate who got paralysed mm. she was very strong willed there but then that kind of left we just got feet silently following the doctor I don't think that's a bad character I think that's bad writing just in general yeah the writing killed her a little bit. A little. I, I mean, I I think Doctor Who, even now, is this classic marriage of, well, you need to have a good character, but even if you create a good character off the source, if you don't have the right writers for it, it will kill it. I, you know, obviously the problem with something like Chibnall is that the characters were already dead before he arrived. But um, with this, the characters have a decent start. It's just there are some episodes that are better than others in terms of how they used her. And it was, I yeah. think it ended up being better than Susan because they only really realized how to use her when they binned her off. Yeah. That season's creative floor. She was literally just there to scream until the last episode where she got good. The only way they figured out what to do with her is to give her a reason to go, uh, which yeah. tells you that you didn't have a character that suited it. With Vicky, there were reasons coming through. And I think if we'd have yeah. had more episodes, I mean, obviously we can't see the ones that, take her out but uh yeah i think there were signs that it was going to get better and i think the time mother was probably her best episode yeah uh i could be completely wrong so i could be completely yelled at here but i'm fairly sure vicky goes in the same way which um susan does oh meets uh meets a handsome fella Meets a handsome fella, and of course, the episodes decides to leave everyone and just go live with a handsome fella it's amazing the how these... she's only met for like a day yeah, but it's the 1960s. Women women don't need to think much about these things. That is definitely going to get snipped out of context. <laughs> it is. I am making a joke about the traditions of the 1960s. It, if it's today, then of course this kind of stuff just never would get written. 
Uh, But, you know, it was a period of the time. We have to view it as a period of the time. But yeah, so that's our character stuff done. Um, But I do need to talk about one more character. Not that they're a regular, but we have to talk about them. Is it for Monk? We have to talk about the Monk. Yes. Owen, what's your opinion on Monk's? Before we even talk about the monk, what's your opinion just on monks? Um, I don't really have an opinion on them. <laughs> Do you have an opinion on monks? They're a little bit weird. You think, I think the thing I, with monks, I where I grew up, I grew up in like a village um, in the middle of Cyprus, right? And there was a church in the village because it's Cyprus and it's still quite a deeply religious country. So even the smallest mm. villages have a church of some kind. And they'll be like, not so much monks, but you'll get like priests and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually that leads up to monks. Um, and so you'll always find monasteries like littered around. And sometimes mm-hmm. you'd see monks out and about. And they always seem like really nice people, but incredibly awkward. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of them have taken a vow of silence and you'll you'll see that. But sometimes you just sort of see monks. And it's like, did you take the monk life because you just didn't want to speak to people? Which I respect. Yeah. So, since you you know a lot about monks, is he a good monk? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> he's not a good monk. He's good at acting like a monk. Yes. Yeah, so, right. How do I introduce this fella? So, the time meddler, the eponymous time meddler of this episode, is posing as a monk. Um, there's as part of a group who have recently moved into a monastery on the top of the hill above this village. Um, and Edith says, oh, they've only moved in a few months ago. There's a few of them. We sometimes hear them singing. Uh, it later turns out that it is just this one guy, and he's not with any of the monks, and the singing is actually being played off a gramophone record. Yeah. We then discover that he has a whole range of things that a monk in 1066 shouldn't have. For example, um, he loses a wristwatch. At one point, which is discovered in the uh, in the fields, and he has a map with compasses and dividers, and he writes on parchment with a pen. He's not from around here. No, he isn't. Um, there's definitely something odd about him. Essentially, his character is just someone. I, f- I think best way to describe him is someone who's there just to have fun, but also in his mind, improve things. Yeah, his the where the character works is in the difference between him and the Doctor. It's the difference that does it. Yeah. Um, because obviously the Doctor is in that classic, never to interfere, never to get in the way. We can't change fixed points in time. Whereas yeah. he's like, well, if we did, we'd make them better. Why shouldn't we? Yeah. Why shouldn't we just have a good time? His whole plot is based entirely around the sort of history of 1066. He believes that by making sure that the Vikings are defeated at the Battle of Stamford Bridge, that Harold will be more fit to lead the English forces and the Saxon forces to defeat William the Conqueror. Yeah. Thereby ensuring that Britain wasn't uh, taken over by the Normans, which is the last time, interestingly, that we were invaded by a foreign uh, army. That's one of my favourite fun facts. No foreign army has set a foot on British soil since 1066. Hasn't Scotland invaded us quite a few times? (sighs) Scotland... Scotland's a tricky one because Scotland isn't coming over the sea. Scotland's already on our no. land, effectively. Yeah. So it's kind of already here. But in terms of like an overseas invader, there hasn't been one since 1066. At okay. least it's set foot. Like the Germans 
sent some spies in, but they weren't like an official, the army has, you know, boarded. They weren't an invasion force. Yeah, it wasn't an invasion force. You know, like they had the Blitz and you had planes coming over, but they didn't set foot on the ground. I don't think their intentions at that point were to invade. They might have been long-term, but at that time they weren't. Oh, what, the Nazis? Their long-term plan was definitely to invade. Yeah, yeah, but at that moment in time, the, like their entire point of, bl- of bombing London wasn't, oh, we can use this to invade, not right now. That yeah. was purely just fear. Yeah, it was to weaken. It was to weaken, but, I believe. Anyway, enough about our dodgy history lessons. Yeah, it's, you know, Britain does have a dodgy history. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so... The best thing I find about the monk is that he's on this intellectual level with the Doctor and he has a very excellent plan and this bores out in a lot of the episode. For example, he captures uh, the Doctor when he comes up to the monastery and then when Vicky and Stephen arrive, they have this sort of mild battle of wits with him. Yes. Where he says, oh, you know, nothing's going on here. And then Stephen quite cleverly gets him to admit that he knows the description of the Doctor even though he said he couldn't have. Which yes. means something must be wrong. But it turns out that he's been completely baited anyway when he gets in because the Doctor is no longer there. Yes. Because apparently for Monk, despite using this area as a jail with a bed, so obviously set this place up, didn't realise there was a trapdoor. Mm. Um, so that's essentially where the Doctor is for the second episode. He's he's locked himself away. Yes. On holiday. Because Will's on holiday. Uh, yeah, and so the second episode, we get a lot more Vicky and Stephen, and we have them deal with things, and we also follow the um, the villagers along. What do you think of the villagers in general? I think they're a little bit caricature if I'm being honest. I think they suffer from the same problem every single side character has had for this season, excluding Invasion Earth, where they're essentially a herd of people. Yeah, they th- don't really have their unique personalities. They don't have a unique reason for being. I think Edith stands out in a way for yes. some reason because I just think Edith is like a warm character that you kind of feel a sense of depth to. I think that's just to do with the performance. I think it's also due to the fact she's the only one who tries to defend and is welcoming. All the other ones are just outright hostile, essentially. Yeah, which makes sense because you know this is a very much tribal era of britain where you had your you had your village and if anyone was coming in that was usually a threat to the food and a threat to yeah, the lives of the women and children and often bring some sort of diseases and all yeah that stuff. disease as well big big problem uh, it's a shame they didn't go into detail about all the diseases uh, but edith edith's a very warm character apart from that though there are a few others um because you've got goodness me you have like ulf and sven who are the Vikings that come in later, actually, now I think about it. And then you have... What's the name of the guy who's immediately like, you will regret this when they find Vicky and Stephen and they say that they're just travellers and they're not there to harm them? Uh, I can't remember, honestly. It's either... I think it might be Woolnoff. That could be it. I think it might be Woolnoff, yeah. Um... He's... Which I think shows the standard problem of all of these these side characters. We just can't remember them. There's nothing which stands them out other than being against something. Yeah, they fill functional roles in the story, but they don't really stand out. Whereas Edith's kind of the opposite in the sense of the story wouldn't change an awful lot if you took her out, but she adds a lot of colour. She adds the tone to it, doesn't it? When, she adds whenever the tone. she's on screen, she's yeah. the one who goes, 
She is one who thinks things through, essentially. And this is why I like this episode, because there are just little touches of that all the way through, which are there for the tone and there to set the world of the story up. There are these really nice, gentle things going on. So they then realise which the Vikings are going to come along, don't they? Yeah, obviously this is the plan of the monk is to get them to come along and, you know, lure them in, basically. Yeah. So the Viking invasion force is on the way, and then everyone has to react to that. Yeah, so we essentially seen, see them coming. It's actually it's surprisingly very well done for Doctor Who's scene building. They have a boat actually rowing, which is quite good to see, because it really gives the atmosphere rather than just going, oh, look, a boat, which I feel like they probably would have done in season one. Yeah, whereas this um, one, they really go for it. It's genuinely very well done. Yeah, it's um, archive footage of... I think a news report, which happened the year before or something along those lines. Oh, that's clever. That's why it looks really authentic. Yeah, because they just um, got the news footage. Nice. Um, but so that really builds it up a bit more. And then we then go to them, essentially go, these Vikings are not here to take over. These Vikings are here to scout. Yeah. So we then go and see them scouting out and then having a bit of a scuffle with the um, village people as well. <laughs> the village people, they were having a scuffle with the band. Yes. <laughs> it's fun to state. <laughs> Don't get us copyright striked. T A R D I S. It's fun to say it. T A R D I S. Oh, God. Yeah, and, and so Vicky and Stephen during this whole skirmish are trying to figure out where the Doctor is and eventually stumble across. The Great Secret of the Monk. Which he has a TARDIS. Which is probably the best cliffhanger we've seen any episode this series, I think. Yeah. Perfect. It, it's, it's generally something which makes you think. It, it, like, how did he get this? Is there other people like the Doctor? Because at this point, they wouldn't have known. Yeah. It completely really? blows the world up. Yeah, because at this point, all we had in terms of time travellers was the Doctor, Susan... And for Daleks. So it really blows, could blow the mind of, wait, the Doctor's people are also out there. So we could bump in some more. It op- really does start to open up story potentials of having for Master, of having for Time uh, Lords at other points. Romana, Varani. Uh, Rassilon. Rassilon. A lot of ours. All sorts of other, all sorts of other Time Lords. I can't be bothered to name anymore. Oh, Omega. We're not going anymore. Okay, fine. We're ending it here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dad. Uh, but yeah, so it's actually a really interesting way. How do you think about the way they differentiated the set between the monks and the doctors? I thought it was quite smart. Because there's, yeah. there's only subtle differences, but it gives the sense that each TARDIS is almost personalised. Yeah. I think... I would have liked it to be slightly more different than just he has a collection and the desk is raised. Yeah, I think it showcased that that he was a taker of time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he isn't someone there to experience. He's yeah. there to sort of gain from from travelling, which is obviously the issue. And this is what leads to that great interplay in the last episode when the Doctor and the Monk finally realising they're operating on the exact same level. Yeah. And they can have that conversation. Yeah. Um, 
Sorry, I'm going to be honest with you. This episode hasn't really stayed in my head. <laughs> it stayed in mine. Do you want Do you want to take us through the next step? Then you can uh, guide us. I'll do my best to. So once, obviously, the TARDIS is discovered, um, basically we get the explanation of the monk's plot. He goes on, oh, you know, if we if we stop this, we'll make England better. We'll be able to put Shakespeare, we'll put Hamlet on TV and all these kind of mad things. Um, but eventually um, the doctor's, doctor gets tied up and the monk and the Vikings form an alliance and they have neutron bombshells. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially the monk tricks the Vikings into getting them to blow up their own ships, essentially. Yes. To build in their own ships. What he doesn't realise is obviously the crew have escaped, the Doctor and Vicky Stephen escape, and then the villagers as well engage have, the Vikings. Have realised which the monk... This is why where I come... Where I was saying which Edith is actually really clever and thinks things through because she realizes which something is not right with this monk and everything the doctor has said is lining up. Yeah, because they they get told to set fires and Doctor previously offhandedly said the Vikings will come soon, um, and she and Edith sits there and goes, "Wait, why does the monk want to signal a ship when a Vikings are coming soon?" Mm. Which then enables them to then go up to this ending point here where we get for. Essentially, the um, the Saxons versus the Vikings with the monk kind of running around. Yeah, and the monk just ends up sort of cowering. <laughs> yeah, he he's running with the Vikings, as tricks the Vikings to go over to a hide in a well, which doesn't actually exist, which they realise very quickly doesn't actually exist. Uh, and yeah, at that point, the whole thing falls through, and it's a it's a well ended story in that respect because it shows the flaws of, yeah. of that character. And it but makes... do you know? We don't have a full picture of the ending. Do you not think? We don't. Mm? Categorically, we don't. Um, essentially, the Vikings, when they got caught, I think that they got tortured. Oh. Or we could see them get severely beaten. But for last remaining tape we got of it, because as I previously said, everything which Doctor Who, which we're currently watching, did all get destroyed and found later on, whether it be in archives from Enterprise, BBC Enterprise or different or places. Or recordings or things like that. Yeah, or Australia. I don't know if this one here is particularly from Australia, but or, but this is more of a situation. Um, the sensors cut out a chunk. Oh. So, like, a 30-second chunk is completely removed of uh, Vikings getting beaten. Ah, because it would have been too... Especially for a family audience in the 60s, it would have just been yeah. too much. And also... Um, the reason why I say Australia, I don't know about this one, but Australia it was very sensitive to this. But it also means which a lot of someone this is why I don't think this is Australia. Someone managed to get hold of the offcuts of all of the sensors from Australia. Oh wow. So there's one surviving scene of Macroterra when a guy essentially gets his head pincered. Mm, oh, the wow. only reason that exists is because the Australian sensors cut out that chunk. Yeah, so they are Sorry, just a complete and utter detour, but oh no, yeah. it's a good detour. It's a good, it's a good like a uh, bit of context to that. Yeah, it's interesting how obviously just censorship is in the sixties in general and how severe it was. But yeah, that's a story for another day. So at that point, we've reached the end of it, uh, and that's the end of the series. But shall we just quickly talk about how 
how for Doctor Disabled for Monk's TARDIS. Oh, yeah, let's do that, actually. <laughs> do you... I'm actually really disappointed about how he disabled it. Really? Like, it's good on it, was a comed- it was good on a comedic basis. But what I thought he was going to do was get out of the ship's navigation systems, shove it into his so he could actually navigate. Oh, no. That's what I thought was going to happen. Not clever enough for that. No. In, instead, we just go for a shrinking. But it, it it's quite comedic, yeah. But it works yeah. on a level because it, it gives him his just comeuppance, really. He's too big yeah. for his shoes. So like, we have to shrink him down to size. I love I loved how for Monk was there going, he can't break up my TARDIS. You can't break this version of the TARDIS. And it's just so easily broken. Yeah, it's just standard. It's like, like you're just like snapping it off its handle or something. As soon as someone says something isn't breakable or hackable, trust me, it nearly always is. Welcome to the HMS Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you think of the ending then? Uh, you said you enjoyed it, didn't you? Yeah, I, I think I think it's very decent. It, it it gives him his comeuppance and it ties everything nicely. It doesn't feel like one of those endings where it just sort of and it rushes to the end and then we kind of just mess up. It's quite convenient that the tide's just gone out, but yeah, ah, I've, I've, avoid that. That I think if the tide was, I don't think it would have added anything to the story if it wasn't. I think yeah. that's the thing which I think about is. If this didn't happen for plot, what would have been the implementations? It would have literally just been them waiting around for a bit longer. Yeah, the only thing it does is it presents the active question of, oh, has the TARDIS gone? But it isn't really baked into the story. So it's kind of like it half works and half doesn't. Yeah. I think they've done it well because it's the end season, so they did it that outro sequence. What did you think of that outro sequence? Good. I thought it looked terrible. <laughs> Really? <laughs> it's like the faces blending into the background and all that stuff. It just looked really weird. It, yeah, I, I think it's got that kind of sticky quality. I don't know. It, I, I quite like I, the kitsch of who. I feel like they could, they could have done it better. It just looked odd and not well thought through. It's not as bad as Doctor in Distress. Like you have, you have to compare it to that. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> That's twenty years after. Um, so shall we rank this episode then? I think so. Yeah, I think we've reached that point. What, what would you give it? You go first, because I feel like I've I've been the one like pushing this. So I should go I should want to hey, yeah. what yours is first. Probably seven. That's a good score. That's a good score. Because because as I've said before, it is definitely one of the better ones of this season. But then again, I also think anything is one of the better ones of this season. <laughs> yeah, there have been some real once we do our um season ender, which is next, yeah. uh we will have to trawl over some of the real messes. Yeah, um, it's definitely one of the best ones for this season. I don't think it's amazing, but it's also watchable. Oh yeah, it's definitely watchable. Which, as bad as it sounds, I think is a good way to tell if how good these current Doctor Who's are is purely by if it's watchable. I mean, if something is fifty-five years old and you can watch it today, that's pretty good going. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, pretty good going. If it manages to keep your attention, which, as I said with the Aztecs, the reason why I like the Aztecs last time is it kept my attention when the other ones didn't. Yeah, and this definitely keeps you the whole way through. Yeah. So what what do you give it, James? I'm, I'm giving this an eight. Ooh. Not a nine because I think I gave Dalek a nine. I don't think it is that yeah. good, but I think it's really watchable. I think it makes the series a lot better, just in general. 
I think it mm. widens the scope for future stories. I think it's a good story in its own right. I like the setting. I like the characters. I, I like the way things are done. Yeah, yeah, there are some issues. Steven isn't perfect. That kind of goes on too long. Um, some of the stories are a little bit muddled, but I think on the whole, it's a really solid episode, a really solid story in general. It's well written. It's also nice to go out of even what these good episodes of this season have had, the bloody boring and formulaic ooh, bad guys have taken over this place, let's help oh, the good guys yeah, get it back I again. Know. It's so nice just to get off that exact same formulaic thing every single time. And they're also given reasons to just coincidentally meet up in the same place. It's all built around this place, so of course they're going to meet up in the centre of it. Unlike the just oh, they've just ended up in this completely different town at the exact same yeah. place. Yeah, which everything we've had is, previously. Everything is built well, everything's written well, and that's why this is definitely the second best story of the season. It's really, really good. So you'll find out what is James's third best place for this season next episode. <laughs> and all of the rest. I have to figure out what the yes. worst one is. That'll probably be harder. So many contenders. <laughs> I I think just looking at what because i've done it now i've done the leveling oh yeah yeah i, d- I think our the last place and for top place will be exactly the same i think the the bottom half is literally just going to be us picking our least worst yeah I, there have been some real messes but you won't be able to find that out for another week no so until then where can people get in touch with us if they want to you know bother us so if you want to tell us about how terribly wrong we are, tell James which for Monk is terrible and should be banned forever. I do need you to can be tweet down. us. You can tweet us at blackarchivepod or you can email us blackarchivepod at gmail.com. And of course, remember to subscribe wherever, uh, whichever podcast platform you're listening to. We're on quite a few of them now. And uh, yeah, a big shout out if you've been with us since the start and if somehow persisted. God, what, what's driven you to do that? Well, what's driven us to do that? It's the same question. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, see you next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week for the season finale. Till then, take care and goodbye. <laughs>